if you look at modern startup news, it's mostly dominated by headlines of who got how much funding or who invested how much into which company. So it seems as if funding is the only thing that, that actually matters. But if you look at a few of the previous guests, you see that basically all of them struggled with one step earlier before getting funding. Voltus' CEO Robert Schmidt started out with flying drones over fields before they switched to satellite pictures to get their, their data. Aslet Stupskart had the benefit of funding Copenhagen Atomics with experienced founders. And Jacinto of Pfoul Solar Power was forwarded to the University Accelerator after he figured out how to turn his research into a transparent and functioning solar cell. So it's not always about getting the most money as fast as possible, but particularly in beginning about knowledge of how to do certain things like finding and fleshing out your idea or legal and business issues. And that's where Devika Tapar comes in. Devika is CEO of Wilby, a self-described home for scientific entrepreneurs, where they help scientists think about turning the research into a company to build up this foundation and knowledge that is required in building a company or maybe even later on getting funding. You may not necessarily have the right pieces of information to figure out, am I seeing what investors want to hear? And am I speaking to the right people as well? Um, and how am I positioning what I'm working on as a business? So, and that's quite a common gap within academia because you don't, if you, it's not inbuilt in the system to actually learn about practical business skills or. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I mean, you have a whole bunch um, of other skills that any normal human, I mean, non-scientist human being does not have, which are actually absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, but but none on the, or usually none on the business side. Mm. Yeah, there was this uh, this issue here in Lund at some point with, with the physicists that graduated that they were so bad at communicating the science that the Swedish government literally told the university, okay, you have to do something about this. Otherwise, we're literally going to cancel your physics course because people just can't work with your physics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> and ever since then, we, we have this one course that everyone hates because you just write and write and write and have presentations about stuff you don't care about. Um, but apparently it works because otherwise... Uh, there would be no physics course anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, yeah, yeah, communication and, you know, all the work that you do, even with posters and stuff, I, that's a part of like, you know, how to communicate your research ideas simply. Mm. But even then, I mean, if you look at the ultimate, let's say, performance indicator, fortunately or unfortunately, which is publishing, I mean, the papers usually aren't very easy to understand, right, by a normal no, audience. Definitely so, not. Uh, and then, then when you when you when you're trying to bring something uh, to market or uh, you know bring it um, in a commercial realm, then it needs to be made you know far simpler so that the you know the the general um, you know the general person can understand it. Uh, or even you know mm. if you were to share it with your mom or your dad, even they might be able to at least vaguely understand what you're working on. No, and I assume that's then when when you come in with with will be, 
to teach those skills, particularly the business skills and potentially the home, the human skills of everything. Uh, yeah, that's actually a nice way to put it. When we, um, you know, when we were built, when so we've been, you know, we've been building Wilby for the past uh, two years now, and when we started, we uh, we all, we, you know, as 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 our background, where both my co-founder and I have been in the space of commercializing, you know, frontier technology for the past you know, ten years, respectively. Uh, we both came at it from different sides. I came at it from a product and business uh, perspective, uh, both working mm. with the tech transfer office while I was in university in the US uh, at Yale and also working with the Watson team at IBM. And Ali, my co-founder, came at it as a solicitor or lawyer who was working with um, life sciences companies medical device companies and spin outs uh, in particular but when we started we we both um, were absolutely clear in that uh, as far as looking to solve any meaningful challenge that we're facing today the roots of it will come from science and um, and that scientists will actually be at the forefront of this change rather than in the back seat and that's obviously quite a I feel that that phenomena has certainly picked up a lot of pace in the past two years uh, in particular mm. with all that we've been through. Um, but the but but I think a fundamental I think what we what we observed and what we felt that we wanted to do differently was just put the scientists in the driver's seat uh, and see what are all the pain points researchers are facing when they're even just exploring the path of commercialization, even if they're not necessarily wedded to it. So even someone like you, who's curious about this space of deep tech venture innovation, um, what are some of the biggest pain points you face out there? And, and how can we build something that's solving for those pain points rather than just, uh, let's say, coming at it from a capital perspective let's just you know throw money at the idea um mm -hmm. so we we're not venture capitalists by by background we're more uh venture builders if anything so working with the founders you know from day minus one to the point that they're ready to uh, work with customers and industry people in the industry and also work with um get investment funding so uh I think that all still probably sounds cryptic. So you're like, what exactly? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm having the, the question in my head all the time while you're yeah. talking uh, what those those pain points would exactly be. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's a good point. I think um, there, well, I think one at large, I think we felt that the gap in in the space of um, of commercialization is not necessarily one of capital. Uh, but it's it's actually one of uh, know-how, which is where the skills the you know the skills comes in. So, how can we empower researchers with the knowledge the off business so that you can take the you can decide what the best path for you is forward. Um, mm. And the way we did that was by just putting together a very practical five-week course that lays out 
in a quite in quite a hands-on and intense manner, but lays out all the very practical and basic business skills that you should have as a researcher exploring entrepreneurship. Whether you do anything with it, that's totally up to you. Uh, you may decide at the end of five weeks that, oh boy, this is way too intense and I, I have to first, you know, sitting within academia and I can play a better role in the ecosystem in that manner. Or you may decide, mm-hmm. actually, I was curious about this and I think I'm ready to take the next step. And then you go down the path of being a founder. Or you may think that maybe I'm better suited to working in industry or working at a startup uh, rather than leading the leading the company. Uh, and from that perspective, we've designed it very much to be outcome oriented so that at the end of five weeks, you're in control of know-how, but you're also in control of the decisions you want to take vis-a-vis your own uh, careers. Um, so that's, that's one, if you like, one fundamental piece of the work that we're doing uh, mm-hmm. at Quilby. Um, and then, and that, and that stems from the gap of that there's just lack of know-how. Uh, and when there's lack of know-how, there's lack of confidence. So how can we build the confidence so that you can take the right uh, steps um, with your careers? Uh, and it's, it's very much based on that. There's some other particular nuances and gaps that we find that are perhaps more specific to UK and we're seeing a bit in other European universities as well, which is around, you know, spinning out. So how can you spin out effectively uh, terms Mm -hmm. that are agreeable by all parties and not just by the university? So that's something that's quite unique to Europe and perhaps doesn't exist in such a big way in um, in the US, which complicates life a bit for researchers who are thinking of spinning out. That's then mostly how much the, the university keeps and how to deal with the intellectual property or any other issues. Yeah, there. that's I mean that's primarily it. It's you know dealing with the IP and dealing with uh, with the equity. And there's no standard uh, you know policy or favorable one at least, except in you know a few universities which makes the, that process a bit complex um, mm. and, and just takes time and may end up not necessarily in the best outcome for the founder. That is, of course, if the founder wants to take charge of the company. I think it works well if you're dealing with professors who aren't necessarily interested in leading the company uh, or any inventor who's not interested in leading the company. But it doesn't work too well if... You know, you're the researcher and the inventor, but you also want to be the founder. Uh, and then you have to, you know, deal with this not very pretty mess of, of spinning out effectively. Yeah. It is um, the last interview I had with uh, Jacinto and doing those uh, transparent solar cells based on his own mm-hmm. research. And he mentioned that the apparently the system in, in Sweden is rather unique or not too common in the sense that the university just pushes you as the researcher to actually found the yeah. company. Nice. Because then the Swedish government behind it is, okay, the, the chances of someone doing it with, like doing something with that research is much higher if it's the actual researcher. Yeah. And then they get all the, the tax money afterwards and then they're happy. So yeah, and I think Sweden is probably more forward thinking. Uh, we're, we're starting to work with, uh, with Sweden. So it'll be good. Yeah, maybe uh, offline you can tell me more about your university. Uh, as well. Mm. 
um, in those programs that did you have you noticed any any particular stereotype of people that join or that continue in certain paths afterwards? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, no one's uh, asked me that. Um, but one way to, um, I guess, think about that is when we we often talk about this uh, idea of hats. Um, that as a founder, there are these different hats you you need to be comfortable with because you need to wear them. And it's better to know sooner rather than later what those are and which ones mm. you enjoy wearing uh, and which ones you don't, and you don't mind actually learning about and, and also wearing. So there's you know, the science hat, there's the business hat, and then there's a, a product hat. And if you like in mature companies or companies that are, you know, uh, grown up, if you like, and uh, established, maybe even uh, generating revenue. Those three hats may be fulfilled by three different uh, three different people, but certainly at the outset, you know, the teams are quite small. Uh, so there might be just one person or there might be two people and uh, you would need to have a complementary skill set across each of each of these and very often when fellows join join us and and do the fellowship you know as a researcher you always think that you know once a scientist always a scientist there's you know perhaps no way you'll be able to ever pick up the other the other pieces but it's amazing to see that transition take place um over just a short period of five weeks you suddenly realize that um certainly for some it comes quite naturally to them and there's an eagerness to want to learn more. And it's actually not, not that hard uh, mm. because if you are excited about building something or starting a company, uh, then chances are you'd probably also be excited to speak to your customers and hear their pain points and see if, you know, they're actually going to be interested in using something along the lines of what you're building. Uh, and, and I, and I think, in that sense, everyone enters purely as a researcher, but when you leave, uh, there's this, uh, there's an ex there's an expanded, um, awareness if you like, uh, and, and some are probably able to wear all hats, uh, or want to learn to wear all hats where some at least, uh, have an awareness, but may stick to, you know, stick to the science, the mm. science hat. I mean, uh, technically speaking, every every researcher scientist is a massive nerd, <laughs> so they definitely do like talking about their research and their product. So I can see it being very nice, but there's also this, or at least in physics, there's the stigma of um, like you you're somewhat not wrong, but you're on the wrong path if you're going to industry or if you're taking too much money, and because most. In the end, most scientists don't do it for the money, obviously, because, well, science doesn't pay too well most of the times. Um, so it's just quite interesting to, if there's some some sort of stereotype of, like, it's mostly the, the talkative extroverts that come to you, or oh. for some reason, also the introverts. Certainly um, introverts. So, you know, there's a couple of more nuances out there, I think. So we tend to focus a lot on, on, um, on postdocs and... 
mm-hmm. or like final, you know, final year PhDs. Uh, and I'd say, you know, there's a bit of a difference between the PhDs and the postdocs. Uh, certainly younger PhDs uh, who are interested in entrepreneurship, you know, I've noticed tend to can tend to be extroverted uh, in a good way uh, and, and, and mm. energetic. Uh, whereas, you know, it takes a bit of, perhaps it may take a bit of time, uh, for those that have spent more years in research. And so therefore they might be a bit more stuck in their ways. Uh, but at the, the flip side, you have the majority because you've probably spent time in working in labs, you know, in different geographies of the world. Uh, you may have managed people or, you know, led, led teams, and you will also yep. probably have more insight based on your research, if not an invention. Uh, so, so I, I think there's, you know, there's, uh, there's good patterns on, on, on both sides. But one thing that's common, perhaps, um, that we do see, at least uh, with, uh, you know, fairly across the board is that there's a common um, there's this this common difficulty in in being able to deal with uh, the truth uh, and uh, <laughs> and understanding that I mean when you're building a business you know a lot of things are not theirs yet but you need to be able to sell uh, and you need to be able to sell the vision to not just the investors, but to your customers and mostly your, your team members are going to join you in that, in that journey. Uh, mm. So how do you do that when you may not necessarily have it uh, today? So you, know, you have to... It being the, the vision yeah, or the product. the product. You know, the product's not there. It's yeah. a concept and you may have a prototype. You may have uh, one research asset uh, or a patent, but you will not have the product. So how can you... You know, I think... Uh, that's where we do this uh, exercise, where um, which we actually do with one of our instructors, Elon uh, Gur, and he. Uh, it's a. It's about you know we put everyone in pairs and we say train your um, you know you one of you let's say person A is the founder of the company, and you have the mm-hmm. job. Your person B has just come in as their first day and they're an employee in your company. Train them on selling your product. And it is the most awkward (laughs) exercise because firstly, it's quite far along the way because everyone doesn't even know if they're ever going to get there in terms of a product. But the idea of being able Mm. to communicate what exactly that you, you do and how you're going to convince your employee to sell it to someone else, which means you know de- you need to know details like how do I price this? So what price is this person going to be selling my product at? It's such an uncomfortable exercise for everyone because it just hits upon the the very thing, which is it doesn't exist. It's not true. So how am I supposed to how am I supposed to get through this <laughs> exercise? And it's, and it's really about working backwards and saying. You know, just as you do with your experiments, if it's a hypothesis, you can therefore make a plausible assumption on what this product will look like, a plausible assumption on what this product will sell like. You don't; ha- it doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, it's it's, uh, but you just you can take an estimate and then you can improve upon it. 
uh, over time. So mm. I think that's I think that's like a phenomena that is, uh, is you know people I think you struggle or let's say scientists tend to struggle with at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, we so last week um, or definitely it launched as this uh, center for nanoscience. And then it's uh, students and postdocs and everything from from different divisions. And last week there was this this retreat. Um, so in ignoring Corona or well following the Swedish Corona recommendations, um, eighty people went to this retreat on a teeny tiny island in front of the Swedish coast, and we had a workshop over two days. And the workshop was okay. You're like four or five people on your table. You're all from completely different groups. Um, come up with some product that you want to build. Um, and then on the next day, you have a pitching workshop and then afterwards you pitch it for everyone. Um, and you could see that everyone in the beginning, every single group just struggled with, there is no connection between our research. We, we can't build a product of that. And then in the end, people just came up with, I, no one had an actually feasible idea. It was all just, okay, we have some, the funny, ridiculous idea that doesn't make any sense and we just try to find a good pitch for it. So this one group had a uh, medical device called, which they called a black box. <laughs> the way the black box worked is uh, you have a patient, you put the patient into the black box and the black box tells you through quantum magic uh, <laughs> what issues the, what issues the patient has. <laughs> so it's a literal black box because they don't know how, to, how it works, but... <laughs> And that sort of stuff came up, but it, it feels very similar to to what you're telling. That just I can't make this work because there's no connection. Therefore, this exercise is not viable. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, and then it takes some time to to get through it. I yeah, guess. it. You, I think that's a yeah, that's a good point because yeah, if you can't do it, then you just veer towards you know complete disdain for how you know the tech world operates saying <laughs> we've got magic and it and it works so let's just pitch it the way everyone else does it yeah you're yeah we so that is something that we see but again it's quite uh it's it's really always uh amazing to see the output at the end of you know the end at the end of the process um mm. even if even if the researcher or fellow decides this may not be a path uh, for me. Uh, I think it's nonetheless still a very viable experience because it exposes you to uh, to a world that you're not necessarily exposed to uh, within labs or, or within within academia. Uh, and it's only going to increase. You know, I think we'll see. You, you know, even within academia, I think we'll we'll start to see new models for funding research. Um, yep. uh, that perhaps are more tied to innovation might also be backed by private uh, individuals, not necessarily university fellowships or university fellowships. Mm. So, um, yeah, so it's a, I think it's, it's very interesting times, even at large as to how the scientific, uh, uh, you know, research funding and innovation space is, is evolving. When you when when the the people the fellows go through that program after the five weeks, depending on how they decide to proceed, how like how do you support them further? Is there any for the ones that want to work in a startup but not found or start their own startup? Do you have like connections? And then for the others, you you help with knowledge and and funding or 
How does it continue? Yeah, then? very much so. So once everyone graduates, they're all a part of one community, if you like. Um, uh, still, I'd say our presence is probably biggest in in the UK, though we're growing in in Germany and um, and Italy, and uh, now for the first time, places like Estonia uh, and mm-hmm. hopefully Sweden as well. Um, so very much support on all those. And in fact, the support is also driven by the fellows themselves. It's not necessarily us, uh, as the only, uh, piece relaying information. I think people are able to help each other out as well on, on a lot of these things, which is, which is quite nice. Um, we, of course, because we're sitting in the ecosystem, we lo- we'll tend to, be a gamut for interesting job opportunities from data stage companies, which we, you know, can share uh, and would share with the, you know, with the group if it's exciting for for anyone. Likewise, for continuous, you know, learning on on interesting events because a lot of fellows want they may not necessarily want to do pursue any of these paths immediately. They'll still go through a period of, you know, couple of months or a year before they arrive at that next critical juncture mm. um, when they're finishing up their you know, postdocs or PhDs, et cetera. So, so in that sense, there's a continuous, let's say, involvement through different events, uh, different opportunities that we share. Uh, and of course, introducing them to relevant investors if for those that are closer towards uh, that stage. We ourselves uh, build companies uh, with some of our fellows. Um, uh, we do that quite, uh, uh, if you like, it's it's quite a hands-on process. So therefore, we don't have the capacity to do several. Um, you know, we only work with maximum three at a time. So therefore, we won't do mm. more than you know ten in a year. And, uh, and, and these would be companies that we'd be building right from pre-incorporation to the point where they're ready to start working with industrial clients and they're also ready to receive funding, at which point we would then invest in the companies uh, as well and then continue supporting them as they, as they grow. So it's, you know... We're we're looking at very much building an end-to-end support infrastructure for early career researchers, um, right from the point of you know curiosity in this world of innovation, venture, and entrepreneurship, to the point where you've been funded and you may need lab support or you may need uh, operational support across, let's say, doing your legals or financials. Hmm. Yeah, I think in my in the outro of the last episode, I called it a venture studio. Ah, yeah. Which was the, the only the only wording I could find that fits somehow. <laughs> yeah, we've. I think yeah, everyone says different things now. We're just like it doesn't matter. You can call it what, yeah, whatever, whatever people yeah. like. It's it's up to them. So it's a trial without <laughs> exactly. It's just, yeah, it's still a trial right now, so it's fine. Um, you mentioned that the. the especially throughout the last two years, the the awareness of it has become bigger and that is most likely going to continue that way. Is there anything besides the pandemic um, that you account for that for that happening or how would you see politics involved in in everything 
the pandemic yeah certainly has has sped things up uh, in terms of general awareness um i mean we are seeing a lot more you know at the intersection of software and uh you know whether it's material sciences or or life sciences and so i think that has sped up business models if you like so even if you're building you know uh, you know if you're building a vaccine company there could be elements mm. that may that would probably not exist in traditional vaccine companies so you may have some element of machine learning uh involved which can you know speed up the process of of building and testing uh even before you do your traditional preclinical phase 1 phase 2 etc uh your your trials so so that's on the i think that's that's the the engineer the momentum that we're seeing as far as engineering and computing which is now spilling over into into hard sciences um i i do generally also think that there's so much capital in the world and i think people are finally realizing that if you you know you want to you want to spend it on solving real problems and a lot of these real problems are going to be solved through you know through science and uh or what colloquially you know venture world will call deep deep tech uh, and not mm. you know not through what they've been used to doing for the past 10 years so i think the other trends um, do I, i don't want to be disrespectful of your time so i think we schedule until 4 if you want to we can just stop kind of and or do you have more time no i i guess a great point uh i don't actually <laughs> want to disrupt yours either <laughs> i do have to drop um but happy you know if 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 you want to happy to pick it up again uh, as a conversation because you're asking really good questions so we can always hop back on so heard in the end we ran into some slight time issues as the next meeting was already waiting for Devika and then the current time she's in the United States so the next interview with her might be a bit more delayed or possibly even released after an interview with someone else if you don't want to miss the second part of this interview please subscribe to deep tech stories wherever you get your podcasts otherwise i will see you with the next interview with whomever that might be <laughs>